0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: Are you interested in angels, demons, ghosts, spirits, and monsters? Are you curious about their origins, influence, and how to protect against the unknown? If so, then welcome to Southern Demonology, the podcast that explores all of this and more.
0: Ready to pop the question?
1: Hello all, and welcome back to Season 4, Episode 5 of Southern Demonology. And as always, I am your friendly neighborhood, ancient demonologist, JJ. Today, I bring you the second part of our interview with Father Birdsong and his son, Deacon Josh. In the first part, we went over what Father Mike referred to as the most difficult exorcism case he has ever dealt with in his long career. Then, we're going to switch topics a little bit and go over not only some dangerous words that you can find on social media, but also some of his reactions to a very spoiler-filled review of the movie Nefarious. If you haven't watched it yet, and you want to stay completely away from any reveals, any details, then you may want to skip that part. But we do go over some of the things that we both liked, didn't like, and some of the finer theological aspects of that movie. And I think it is a really illuminating view on the movie itself. If you haven't heard any of the previous episodes about it, Nefarious is a recently released movie which focuses upon demonic possession and follows my one role that I really look for when it comes to films about this genre. And that is, you don't need a ton of subplots or fluff to go along with it. And that is exactly what this movie delivers. And then finally, we go over some questions that Father Birdsong has about the Book of Enoch and the Nephilim. I really hope that you enjoy this final part of our conversation around demonic dolls. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Father Birdsong, Deacon Josh, and some of our collective thoughts. This might be a little fortuitous. While we were on a small little break, I happened to run across a video of another podcast host and creator that I follow. A really lovely woman who I've heard in a, a podcasting event that was held for other podcasters virtually a while ago. And she was just kind of Reminiscing about demonic possession, and she's like, "You know what? I have all these problems. What could a demon really do to me if it came knocking at my door? If anything, I'd probably learned some new skills." And just that thought sent chills down my spine. I'm like, "Well, you're kind of sacrificing the core of your being. You are subjugating your free will. To the will of something that actively hates you. Now, I wanted to see if you had any thoughts about that.
0: What was the main sin of the light bearer Lucifer? Pride. That whole statement that she said to me showed pride. And of course, that's, that, that's why in the scripture it's considered one of the seven deadly sins. Because you believe that, okay, well, I got all this. what's this person going to teach me? In other words, she put herself in a position to me what it sounds like that uh she can't be taught anything new, although she said I'll just learn something new. You want to talk about doors you You start challenging them you can go out and challenge a demon if you want to, but I can guarantee you that it's not going to work out too well for you. You're right, that statement it it sent chills up my own spine because I'm said my first thought was, does she even know or realize what she said? And we got to be careful of those words
1: sometimes. Exactly. Cause a door is not, doesn't, it's not shaped like a door. It's can be, it doesn't even have to be a, a verbal ascent to open mm-hmm. a door. It can be a mental ascent or a, a emotional ascent to open a door. And once it's open, and I'm not saying every door has a demon behind it because that's entirely too simplistic, but you never know what is going to be hiding behind any particular portal that you mess around with. Exactly. And of course, there are certain doors that are much more likely to spring a lot of evil surprises on you. Playing around with Ouija boards, playing around with these social media type of pranks of yeah you know let's um let's play the three kings game or you know let's sit there and try to conjure the bell witch and i used to i grew up 30 minutes away from the bell witch's place so we took that crap very very seriously (laughs) (laughs) to me also
0: is the how do i put it and hit me out if you need to but so many people have such a casual attitude about the supernatural now. Okay, let's talk about Nefarious for a moment. Okay. It thrilled me personally to no end that this that this part was in the movie because it is the attitude of a lot of the quote-unquote church today. When the quote-unquote priest came in, he, he had already had it figured out in his mind that the guy was mentally ill, and even though Nefarious proved himself, He still didn't want to believe it. He just said, no, the guy's mentally ill. And then, then, but then he got scared and then ran out of the room. I'm like, okay, yeah, that is the most 100% accurate scene. If I've ever seen one in my life, because the, the, the world we live in over the past 20 years have become numb to the things of the spirit. We want to go out and try to find ghosts. We want to go out and try to find these, as you and I say in the southeast, haunted places. Mm -hmm. We want to have fun with them instead of dealing with them, and see that's what happened to the. We all we all know that once upon a time the Church of Rome had more exorcists than they knew what to do about, but then everybody got slack and stopped teaching on the spiritual warfare and demonic. They started accepting demon possession and and then we got to a point of like i said the past 20 years i think i think the number got down to actually six exorcists in the united states that's what uh caught my attention that's true and i and i i I said this 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 can't be we gotta we gotta we gotta start as the church start teaching people that you don't play around with this kind of stuff and And also, the church, and see, this sounds crazy, J.J., but the the point of the matter is, is that priest in that movie, he didn't want to believe in the devil.
1: Yeah, and that's almost... Then why are you a priest? Yeah, I think that you've kind of nailed, you've hit the nail on the head on that one. The current Catholic Church has almost abandoned its role and preparing its believers and followers to spiritual evil. I I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, this is really wrought on by the changes in, you know, the Vatican Council and getting rid of the Latin Mass. I know a lot of, you know, Catholic priests will claim that. I'm not knowledgeable enough in that to even hazard a guess as to why. But I'm not going to go as far as I think what Malachi Martin did in his book, House of Leaves, that the entire Catholic leadership has been infiltrated by Satanists. And it's just, uh, I don't go for that kind of level of conspiracy theories. I'm sorry. But, yeah, something has definitely changed. It's almost like C.S. Lewis was a tad bit prophetic. Oh when yes that the devil's greatest trick is to teach is to teach people that he no longer exists exactly
0: right i it, it, yes, I believe that was a prophetic word, I really do, and uh I also believe Josh, who said it I think it was in the early very early nineteen hundreds one one of the popes said that the smoke of hell has entered into the Church of God. Now, what does that mean, Pope Paul VI? Okay, yeah, Pope Paul VI, and uh, but the smoke of hell has entered into the church. Mm -hmm. Well, the only way that can happen is, I don't. uh, It's very hard for me to say this, but lose our faith, and 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 people are going to lose their faith in God. They're gonna they're gonna lose that. Intimate relationship with the church, if if the church is not teaching the church,
1: well, and I think that we're already over oh, there beginning to to see that. You know, people uh, even before the pandemic, people are driven to be much more inward focusing, both in being more of a homebody, which I am absolutely guilty of, but yeah, and just. Focusing on themselves rather than on the community, and that's never going to lead to great results. I don't think.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, another one of my favorites is uh, is uh, this saying, "I've heard people. <laughs> I've heard people say that uh, they. Oh, I believe in God. I say, good, good. But I don't. I don't. I don't think there's a hell. I say, do what." And uh, I'm like, okay. so unfortunately, America and and, in several other countries as well, we're we're picking and choosing different things of the ancient core faith and fitting it into our little box and saying, this is the way that it's going to be. Well, you can't expect a blessing in your life. Everybody wants to be blessed in the church. Everybody say, well, I'm just looking for a blessing. Well, if you believe in a blessing, you also have to believe that there's a
1: cursing, too. Correct. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but even John Paul II stated that hell is not a physical place. It's more of a mental construct. Mm -hmm. And I heard that, and I went, Mm -hmm. no. (laughs) Hell is a... I mean it may not be physical but it has definite ramifications it has definite things that are trying to get out into this world and curse and harm and corrupt and yeah I just I just can't understand that kind of thinking
0: Well the one, one of my pet peeves is when I'm I'm trying to think of it I I lost my thought I'll, I'll come back to it later on though Okay,
1: no worries.
0: Well, it had something to do with uh, the story was being told in the Gospels, and a person that was not in Abraham's bosom, but across the great gulf, per se, at that time, mm-hmm. he cried out to Lazarus, says, well, Can you can you bid Lazarus to come and and, and and just give me a touch of water on my tongue? Now, where the heck was he then? You know what I'm saying? you yep. if you can't just accept one part and not accept the other right you know so anyway that's 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 the end of that rabbit trail for me
1: <laughs> it, it is for me as well i
0: i just i just thought that scene in affairs was 100 percent accurate and it, it i'm like finally somebody showed something
1: so what else about that movie really kind of spoke to you and perhaps was more realistic than other types of demonic possession films that you may have seen. What got me the most
0: was you didn't see all these crazy acts. You know, the guy wasn't crawling upside down on the ceiling. He wasn't spitting green pea soup. Mm-hmm. You know, some some would believe that that in order to say a person is demonically possessed that they have to meet a, a whole criteria in this criteria at times, it's looked as a checkoff list. Well, I, I I'm, I'm very sad to say that I can be demonically possessed and never show one sign of a supernatural strength. Hmm. You know, I can be so tormented in my, in a oppressional possession type stage. To where I'm about to lose my mind, but I'm not climbing up the walls. Right. You know what I mean? And so to me, it showed reality versus
1: fiction. I would completely agree with that because, yeah, the only kind of effect that the demon had upon the environment was causing a light. To go out in the cell in which they were in, mm-hmm. and even then he said, "Oh, you know, you never know. Maybe that was just coincidence." And I was like, "I, I like that bit. That was really well done." The only thing that
0: I liked it because the guy was ninety percent of the time he was talking to the therapist, just like I'm talking to you right now, right? And I have I have seen times. To where somebody was saying something that they should not even know, okay. So I mean, but even even being calm, he told the guy, "Hey, you bet you better go check on your girlfriend because you're fishing to kill number two. Well, it Was number two, number three? Oh, yeah, it was number two. It it showed that glimmer, and I, I've seen I've seen that, but I'm not going to say it has to be this way. The whole the whole point, JJ, is. To me, it was just calm. It didn't put on any airs. It showed reality versus fiction, and it was just spot on.
1: Mm. So this was the one point that I thought the movie could be taken in a negative way by viewers. So let's say that you have a group of viewers who are very impressionable. And they watch this movie, and they take it to be more truth than not. The fact that you know, so you had the psychologist or psychiatrist who was talking with Neferiamas, and he's pointing out, oh, you know, humanity is much more enlightened now than where we are, you know, where we used to be, and then the demons started pointing out all of the problems that still exist in this world the one thing i was kind of worried about is if you had a group of impressionable viewers who took this movie to be more reality than not they would then hold up this banner that humanity cannot advance by itself that there's no point in us even trying to better ourselves that because there's always going to be darkness in the world, then we are just going to be slaves to it for the rest of our existence. I understand that viewpoint. I understand that this is a movie, but that was the one area that was like, eh, I don't know. It was really kind of shaky theological ground. I know a lot of priests, especially Catholic exorcists, will say, unless you believe Only in a biblical viewpoint, then everything's going to go wrong. I've always questioned that, but I wanted to get your take, because you're a man of the cloth. I certainly am not. I wanted to get your kind of reaction to that. You're right. Here's why I
0: say you're right, because my take is, is, number one, you said people that may be very impressionable. Hmm. Do I believe that we need to live a godly and holy life? Yes, you know that. That's, mm-hmm. of, of course I do. Right. But on the other side of the coin, we have to understand that we do live in a sin-filled world. And there's not a dang thing that we can do about it. <laughs> how, how about that? Okay? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, I can live a godly, pure, and holy life, J.J. But guess what? I'm still going to be afflicted in my body hmm. as long as I am breathing in this natural, fleshly tent. Or this, what that guy? What did Nefarious say to the guy, bag of skin, or what? He called the psychiatrist a bag of skin or something like that. I, I, I thought that was funny as all get out. But he's true. As long as I live in this flesh part of me, bad things are going to happen. But the sad point, these impressionable people that we have today, they can can view something like this and be totally ignorant about, hey, there is a spiritual life out there, but there's also a natural life out there because we're human beings. Hmm. It goes right back to that you can't have one without the other. Okay. But also, I know people that are not believers. You with me? hmm They have a great life. They're good people. They love their mamas and daddies, and they pay their taxes, okay? I mean, they're just, they're just good people, but they just don't believe the way I do. Right. And you know what? That's okay. I think sometimes people need to realize that they can't rely on someone else to live for them. Those are the impressionable people because they want to follow the crowd. You got to live in this world and realize there's good things and there's bad things. And I don't care how good you are. Bad things are going to happen sometimes. And there's nothing that we can do about that. True. And, but to go off to the other side of the coin and think, well, I'm living this spiritual life. So nothing can happen to me. Well,
1: that's stupidity. Mm Mm-hmm. I hope I answered that in some way for you. You you did. And I I know it was its kind of like one of life's big questions. So I wasn't trying to spring it on you. Oh, no, no. No, I, I think that your answer is perfectly logical and reasonable. And I really, I agree with it entirely. So yeah, thank you for that. Oh, no problem. The one thing that I did think that the movie executed brilliantly was... Showcasing the sheer not disdain but hatred that the protonatural has against humanity mm-hmm. and how they will do anything to corrupt us and to divorce us from God because they were slighted
0: ah uh, and see that part got me too. Somebody had to do some
1: homework on that part. They did. The only thing I was worried about is they seem to begin and end. with Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role.
0: It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
1: With Milton more so than anything else. And I'm like, eh, that I, I don't much like. But yeah, I, I agree. that There was some serious research done for this film.
0: And see that's the part that I like because when, when he was talking about how we were nothing but that bag of bones or whatever he called the psychiatrist stuff that it does show the disdain that the enemy has for us, and someone had to go back and really research the fall of Lucifer to get that far and to know how much hatred you know Lucifer he was right he was the light bearer he was the top. Creative thing that God created, He was the man, and now all of a sudden, God creates the race of man. Well, I'm not good enough for you, you know. And so, that's when Lucifer said, Okay, fine, I will ascend, I will do this, I will do that. You've obviously turned your back on me, so I'm turning my back on you now. So, uh, someone did a lot of homework on that part,
1: yeah, very, very true. I think the only thing they could have done better is maybe bring in what Gabriel says in the movie The Prophecy where he calls humans talking monkeys. Talking... i like, oh, that's a good one. I like that. that, that yeah, <laughs>
0: that, 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 that was a good one
1: too. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, maybe Any other thoughts or ideas that you had around the movie? Yes, the ending, the very ending. I hated that, but that's me. I thought they would just, they tried so bloody hard to open the door for a sequel. And now, kind of an afterthought, and that's what irritated me. It wasn't the fact that the demon spoke to him again, it was just, oh, I walk out the door from the television interview and oh, here's a homeless person just speaking to me like normal. I'm like, eh, I don't know. but You're right.
0: I I do get that point. But on, on another thought, you, you you may like this as well. He walks out. The the possessed person is physically dead, now, right? Mm-hmm. He walks out after talking with the warden or whoever it was, and this homeless person that he gives, what, a $20 bill or something to you or something like that he may not get anyway spoke to him you know nefarious did it again spoke to him that showed me that no matter what you do and this is true no matter what you do if you don't clean up a, in your house and around your house and keep it clean they can come back that is true i'll give you
1: that 100 percent. that's why i like the very ending part
0: what's your thoughts on
1: that i agree with that piece that Unless you get your own house in order, then you will always have a target on your back. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that really bothered me about the movie was the the psychiatrist himself, because he walks in knowing that all oh, this is just a, a simple, you know, mental case. And then so quickly he caves and does a complete 180 without the emotional development depicted to make that kind of a radical swing. And then sure. that kind of same stubbornness comes in at the very end where he's given the interview, and he he's just like, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of a believer, but kind of not, and I don't really know if I buy all of it. Then why are you still here? That that kind of got me. Uh, that was the kind of, to me, like the biggest weakness of the film that the psychiatrist was just there to further the conversation along with the demon rather than being a true participant in the dialogue. But that that could just uh, that could be me reading entirely too much into it, too. I'm not saying it's not.
0: No, I, I think you're correct there, too but I also think that it shows the the wisdom of the era that we're living in right now. You you do have so many flip-flopping when it comes to these matters. True. He went in there. He he had it all figured out. He didn't have to do anything except sign a piece of paper. He talked to him for a little while, and like he said, then all of a sudden, boom, whoa, wait a minute. You're not mentally ill. But then when the, the guy attacks him, and I said, I said this so many times, JJ. We live in one of the most offended countries in the world. True. So when the so so when the demon attacks him and threatens to kill him, well then he gets all pissed off. And then he goes and sees that the guy knows so much about him and researched his life and all that, he was done with him. He said, Okay, yeah, you can stand trial. I think I think that shows a lot of our culture right now, too. It
1: does. Yeah, I would agree with that. The one thing that absolutely infuriated me, though, and this is kind of the weakest part of the movie to me, was at the near the very end during the execution scene, Nefarious, you know, the, the host body is killed. And then, yeah, the guy is just kind of instantly taken over. Like Nefarious flows from the condemned into the psychiatrist and then he's being made to do things against his will entirely. Yeah, he may have opened the door by saying, yeah, you can possess me whenever you want, mm-hmm. but to me, that is not a circumvention of free will. It might have been opening the door or something to bad, but I don't know. That smacked entirely too much of convenience, and uh, I I didn't like that piece at all.
0: I, that part, I, I do. He said that just being a smart ass.
1: Yep. Exactly. There's no real convention uh, yeah, to that.
0: That was not a, I'm opening my heart to you, come get me, you know, because I would dare say if someone did that and sincerely, sincerely admitted it, that, that yeah, come try me, mm. uh, I think they would know very quickly that that dog's not going to hunt.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. That part was. Could, but yeah
1: i'm but I'm not trying to cast aspersions against this film because oh no no, at the end of the day, it did far for, far more things right than mm-hmm. it did wrong and I would agree with that to this day it is still my absolute favorite demonic possession film that I have seen, and I know that if you don't quite believe in it, I've heard reactions from people that thought it was boring because there were no special effects, or they were highly disturbed, just solely based upon the conversation itself. To me, this movie is kind of like the spiritual version to My Dinner with Andre, which is a highly philosophical conversation. In fact, I know a lot of philosophy degree programs require watching My Dinner with Andre and I think that this should probably satisfy the same thing for theology students as well. <laughs> I would agree very much so. Well, father, Gerson, that is everything that I wanted to discuss today. Is there anything else you wanted to end up on? I was, I was going to ask one question, but no, please do.
0: It may cause us to go down a, a rabbit hole. Oh, I'm fine with that. I'm not trying to wrap this up prematurely. Well, on the subject of what we've been talking about with the case, I mean, e- even even the movie, mm-hmm. it sparked something in me the other night, and and uh, I started I started listening to uh, the Book of Enoch again. Okay, and about the Nephilim and this and that and the other, I've heard two sides of the coin there. Some would say that it, it of course, was the demons coming and having sex with the daughters of men and creating the Nephilim and creating those, these giants, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, okay. I, I can, I can, I can buy that. But then I heard someone say that due to that, every line that was after that, they were going to die out and go extinct and not exist anymore. Okay. And then I'm
1: like, no, no, that no, that's not how the book betrays it. Exactly. You had a group of. For those who are not familiar, Book of Enoch is a pseudepigraphal work that was briefly considered to be canonical by at least the Essenes, uh, which was the group from that were responsible for producing the Dead Sea Scrolls, and they had two books that are no longer considered canonical as part of their repertoire. And that was the Book of Enoch and the Book of Jubilees, both of which attempt to clarify Genesis 6, which has long been discussed and never fully understood. Yep. Anyway, in the Book of Enoch, there is a group of angels called the Watchers that were sent by God to look over the generations of man, and uh, I'm not trying to be non-inclusive in my language, I'm just literally going off from the quotes here. They see that the daughters of man are comely and beautiful, and they decide to bind themselves in a curse, and that is the exact phrase that's used in the Ethiopic text. And there is a leader, Sim, uh, there's many different pronunciations for his name. It's actually spelled several ways in the text itself. Uh, but I'm just going to say Semyahaz. Simyahaz is the leader of the Watchers. And he says, okay, so that none of us a- attempt to go against each other, we're going to bind ourselves in the curse and that we all agree to do this. And they all agree. And then they go down and then they propagate with the daughters of man and born onto them are a race of giants, the Nephilim, that then begin to sin against each other, man, the animals, and the earth. They go nuts. They fornicate with everything. They eat everything. And the and then, of course, the Watchers are teaching the generations of man all of the secret arts that they're not supposed to, including jewelry crafting, weapon making, magic, makeup, etc. And yes, makeup is, is equally a sin as opposed to magic, <laughs> at least in the Book of Edict. The entire world screams out in agony. And God... Recognizes this, and he sends his four archangel, four of the seven supposed archangels, down to rectify it. And Gabriel was sent to deal with the Nephilim, and so he essentially tricks them into battling each other. They wipe themselves out, and then, of course, the world is healed by Raphael, who is the healing power of God, who sends the deluge to wipe out all of the evil in the world. And this is, I think, the re- main reason why First Enoch is no longer truly considered canonical. And it's because of the fact that even though God wiped out the world with the deluge and essentially hit the reset button, it never reset the Nephilim because they had lost their physical presence. However, their spiritual presence was unleashed into the atmosphere because they were the most horrible combination of mortal and spirit and even though you stripped away the mortal shell the spiritual shell was still there and so they are perpetually in the atmosphere and they are wrecking havoc because they hate humanity beyond all means in fact i think that's really this idea of the nephilim In conjunction with some older viewpoints that you find in Zoroastrianism, which shows that this world belongs to evil. It belongs to the devil, to the enemy, whatever you want to phrase that. Because even for the Essenes, there were these four days of trouble in which the spirits of the watchers, the spirits of the of the spirits of the um of the of the bastards, which are which are the Nephilim and then all of the other evil critters that are running around, they can attack even the most faithful and cause them to no end of trouble. So, yeah, I I would agree. Uh, The Nephilim, they even though they died, they are still very, at least from the perspective of Enoch, they are still very much an active threat and always will be. Okay. What about the offspring? At least according to Enoch, there were no offspring okay. from the Nephilim. I mean, they yeah, they fornicated to all ends of the earth, but at least to the book, they never hinted at that they actually produced something. And it could have been that it's because they were an amalgamation that they could not. Who knows? But yeah, no nothing further is said on that front, at least not to my knowledge.
0: Okay. All right, I'll save the next question for for another time, and I'll and I'll just I'll just email it to you. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, I, it'd be pretty cool to because I've I've heard a couple of different stories. You know, I mean, you know, I've read it all, but some of them I could like. Okay, I might could buy that, and some like I'm mm, no, that's not happening.
1: So I just want to get your take on a couple of them later. Gotcha. Uh, I will say that the. The worst, like, the idea of the Nephilim has really erupted in a lot of whack-job conspiracy theories, especially if you happen to be unfortunate enough to listen to Coast to Coast AM. There's been quite a few people that sit there and start saying, oh, yeah, the Nephilim were the true rulers of the world, and they were never wiped out, and they still exist, and they control all of humanity. and um, he, and that goes in the same bucket as a flat earther and a hollow earther <laughs> and whatever else earther that you want to call it. It's all just BS. So. <laughs> extraordinary claims require extraordinary proof. And I have yet to hear any convincing proof in any way, shape, or form outside of buy my book. I, I really want to sell you my books. So. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, Father Birdsong, Josh, it was an absolute pleasure having y'all with us today. Thank you so much for coming on. I know it's not the most pleasant of things. I know that this, uh, in reporting the not-so-great results of the case of Paula, uh, I know it's attached to you in every way, shape, and form, and I apologize for that, but uh, it is important that people understand that. Not everything works out the way it's you know that we want it to be. Exactly right. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank y'all for joining us again. Again, Father Birdsong does have a book out on Amazon uh, called "Becoming the House of Prayer." You can find that link in the show notes. Highly recommend that you get that and read it. It's very cheap. How much is it, Father Birdsong? I
0: think the book is eight ninety nine, and I think the Kindle version is 2.99 or something like that very go. very cheap and and it's all in southern redneck english so it's easy to understand
1: hey that's my kind of language right there <laughs> <laughs> so again thank you all for listening uh I, I hope this conversation has been illuminating if you need to get a hold of father Bird's song please feel free to go to Southerndemonology.com, click on the contact us link Just write your questions, or you can find them in our Discord server. Uh, Both Josh and Father Birdsong are there. You can always ask a question there. I know that. Actually, let's leave on this front. Okay. If you're able to talk about it. You were saying in an email the other week that someone found you through Southern Demonology. Right. Right. For help.
0: Right. Yes. They reached out. They actually, through Southern Demonology, got to to me, which led to my to Saint Michael's the Church Facebook Messenger. Through that, they contacted me and said, "Hey, this is so and so, and I found out about you through the Southern Demonology podcast." He said, "I, I live in Blank Georgia. Can we get together and talk?" And I said, well, absolutely, absolutely we can. And so I was able to share some information with him, my contact information. So I'm just waiting for them to get back with me. I said they were having some uh, activity going on in their home and uh, affecting them relationship-wise and idea-wise. And sounds like something may be there. Gotcha. But it, it it was it was through the, the, your podcast that uh, they were able to reach out, and my main thing is, I like that because it shows people that we we are sincere, and you don't have to
1: be alone during times like this. Yeah, and I would say that's hey, it's a blessing to me because in you know in the beginning I was just I started this podcast just to kind of share some odd information. That I happen to have studied in my time at school, but since then it has been much more of an explosion of scope of going over the dangers that one can encounter in the spiritual realm and right. how to help protect other people and the fact that this may have been a vehicle to be able to mm-hmm. assist others that is a huge blessing to me, and it tickled my heart to no end and I'm really and for anyone else. That needs assistance if you have questions, if I can answer anything, if one of my guests can answer anything, the community at large can, then you know let us know because most people will hear these types of stories of paranormal or pernatural experiences, and they may think that you're crazy mm-hmm. We do not because we know how lonely these types of things can be who would ever believe me if i encountered x in my house or in my life there is help out there and there are people that will understand exactly what you're what's going on and we are always willing to help in whatever way that we possibly can absolutely absolutely so father berson josh thank you all for joining again and we will probably talk to you soon, if not on the Paranormal Rundown, then on another episode of Southern Demonology. Thank Absolutely. you all for listening. Thank you, JJ. Thank you for listening to Southern Demonology. Find us online at southerndemonology.com, which offers links to all of our social media and episodes southern demonology is solely owned produced and edited by myself and the intro and outro music are composed by me as well if you have a moment please rate like and share this podcast as it is the best way to help support my work as always i am jj and it has been a pleasure to speak to you today